Shots. Episode 201. The one where when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that'll be. The Villanauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo Edenites. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. <laughs> Together we are the, the Theonites. What's up, Jeremiah? What's up, David? <laughs> <laughs> so, so David's got his little Grogu action figure. So I had to run at the last second and get my uh, Boba Fett, and I forget her name. Finnick. Do you Is remember? It it might be Finnick. I don't know. But he's sitting on Jabba the Hutt's throne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You like that? I got that. One of my youth gave me that for Christmas. Oh. So I've been sitting up on my desk. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so how you been, David? Oh good. It's been it's been a little bit since we've done it. Yeah, it's been a minute. We hit we hit two hundred and then it was like, All right, we're done. We're done. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We should no, have said that on the last one. You can't be that lucky. That's it. Yeah, you're not. You're not that lucky. We we. Yeah, we're not. We're not. You're not getting out of it that easy. Nope. <laughs> so we're back. We were having a funny conversation earlier about <laughs> whenever you get a certain age and you start realizing just how old you are. Oh, yeah, man. It's so sad. How it's like messing with you. And (laughs) I was telling Jeremiah, one of the things that I do is I I go back and I've been watching some of the old TV shows I watched as a a kid, you know, like Gilligan's Island and and, uh, Happy Days and whatever. And I go to IMDb and I look up those actors and see how old they were when those shows were on. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm Thurston Howell the third. <laughs> like I'm the same age as Thurston Howell. I've sur- <laughs> I've surpassed the skipper. I surpassed the professor. You are the oldest man. I'm the on oldest Gilligan's man Island. on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> You're a glutton for punishment. And, Why would you even want to look I'm like, at those ages, man? And then I'm like, no, I'm not the Fonz anymore. I'm Richie Cunningham's dad. <laughs> or maybe the uh what was the 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 owner of the soda pop or the the uh Arnold the restaurant. Arnold, there you go. You're Arnold. <laughs> I probably am about as old as Arnold was. Um, oh man, that's great. <laughs> I I totally feel you. And I was telling I was telling David, you know, I'm trying to work out three days a week and uh trying to get in shape which is stupid every time i try i just end up being fat again and uh 
David said I better lose it before I hit 50 because uh, it's all downhill from there, I guess. We're comparing it's, beards, and we have almost the exact same beard pattern now. It's like yeah, all gray, gray right? Down, right here in the front. Right in the center. That's right. And uh, the nice, you know, at least it's still got some of its color, but mm. I don't know, dude. Well, that's the, I think half of that's from having kids, so... <laughs> Well, one of the thing about I don't have any gray up here on my head, but yet, but here on my beard it's like crazy. <laughs> and then and the thing yeah. that makes that irritates me is I got to use all kinds of product in it now because oh, it, sure. that gray beard, that gray hair is like wire. I don't, it's just frustrating. Oh yeah, <sighs> oh yeah. It it doesn't get. It's not like soft and cushy like yeah. The other. I got to put it's I got to put some. Utility bomb in there, the lumberyard. <laughs> I tell you, I bet up. Yeah, lumberyard. I I do the uh, Viking. It's called Viking something. Yeah, it's great though. I love it. Did I tell you, I bet on my beard and almost lost it. <laughs> the Super Bowl. Yeah, I bet. I bet on the Chiefs. There's an Eagles fan in our church, and we made a bet that if uh, if the Eagles won, I would shave my beard, and if the Chiefs won. He would shave his beard. And then, get this, so it's fourth quarter, the beginning of fourth quarter, and I'm starting to sweat, man. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. And so I call, I holler out over to him. I'm like, hey, man, you want to cancel the bet? Like, I'm trying to get him to agree. And he goes, I mean, I believe in my team. And I'm like, yeah, I think we're going to cancel the bet. <laughs> and he's like, Okay, if you want. And so I canceled it. And then he, he texted me later that night. And he's like, listen, man, we can't go back on our word and let those youth think that we can go back on our word. So I'm going to shave my beard. And <laughs> man, I was so proud of him. He shaved his beard. He looks like a little baby. It's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, I'm so thankful I have my luscious locks still you know <laughs> to play with because i don't know you've seen me with a shaved beard it's not a pretty sight dude. oh i like it <laughs> oh my gosh who was i look who's a nacho I, libre that's what i started calling yeah. you nacho libre because you had the mustache nacho. <laughs> that's great i i compare it to like a fat uh well, he is fat. Uncle Fester is what I oh, compare yeah, my yeah. face to. Whatever. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Got that baby face going on with the <laughs> chunky chin and the under chin. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> it's scary. I'm so glad well, that I didn't have to shave. One it. day we'll have resurrected bodies, and we won't have to deal with any of this. Hey. Amen. How's that for a segue? That's an amazing segue. Let's talk about that. All right, here we go. So I have to admit, it was a little clickbait to call the name of the episode "You're Not Going to Heaven," but it, uh, it's very much clickbait. But it's not a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to see where you take this. Now, disclaimer: this is David's podcast, <laughs> not mine today. So I don't know where he's going, and. Uh, <laughs> Which is, you know what? This is like indicative of our, our entire relationship. Most, 
most of the time. I don't know where you're going. I'm just going to listen in and go, all right, that's interesting. That's good. Well, the good thing I'm going to be hitting it rapid fire. I got a lot of content to talk about. But Okay, I'm okay, excited to hear. So, uh, basically, where the study is coming from, and I can't take all the credit on this because I'm definitely pulling from multiple sources. One of the, the biggest one is N.T. Wright. If, he, if you've ever listened to N.T. Wright's discussions about end times and and uh, heaven and that sort of thing, then you'll know exactly where I'm going. Yeah. But, uh, so, um, there's all kinds of stuff that, that is happening here. A lot of it has to do with church tradition as well. We're mired in tradition. And we just accept yeah. things. And sometimes we read scriptures and we read into them because we've accepted this norm that has been taught over and over and over and over. And there's a lot of influence that comes into it other than Christianity, other than the Bible. There's Platonism that, that comes into play. So Plato, some of the teachings of Plato, because they were, it was big in Greek philosophy in the days of of Jesus and the early church. And so it slowly kind of crept in. And some of those things were assimilated in the early uh, Catholic church and things of that nature and have just become part of our, thing so the question are you going to go to heaven the 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 main thing that i'm I'm thinking about is when we think of the traditional take on going to heaven a lot of times you just think of okay am i just going to be sitting on a cloud somewhere playing around on a harp (laughs) like (laughs) like what's the fun in that like why why would that be my goal like it's (laughs) <laughs> is that where I'm going? And I think that um, one of the reasons why the, uh, N.T. Wright's book on this called Surprised by Hope is called that is because when you get to the biblical truth of the matter, the hope is better. I mean, if your hope is flying around on a cloud with a, with a harp the rest of for all eternity, then I, stay where you are. I'm happy for you. But for most of us, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> and absolutely, and a lot of people talk about heaven, and there's not a lot to say about heaven in the in the in the Bible about the details of what it's going to be or or what it is. And that really, that's that's actually not all that true. There's a lot in the Bible about it. Yeah, there's a ton. And so, what I want to do is, I'm going to hit some passages and talk on some things, and, and see if we can't put it together and at some point kind of come to a cohesive understanding of what eternity sure. with Christ is going to look like. Um, sure. So I want to start in an odd place. I want to start in first Corinthians 13. You're going to be my Bible okay. reader, Jeremiah. I am. I'm flipping there now. Okay. So first we, Corinthians chapter 13. If, you, if you're a Bible student at all, you know, right off the top of your head, what first Corinthians 13 is about. It's about love. The love right? chapter. It's the love. The love. It's the love chapter. chapter. But <laughs> there's some context. <laughs> so right. let's so let's give you just a brief little piece of context of where I'm going with this. So, um, and we could go start at the front, but I'm going to start somewhere around 11 and 12. So in chapters 11 and 12, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts and how how obsessed. 
the Corinthians were with spiritual gifts and how he was trying to tell them, don't be so obsessed about the miraculous uh, supernatural things. There's be- there's better things to be excited about. And that's when he comes to chapter 13 and he begins to talk about love being greater than the healings and the prophecies and the tongues and all the things they were excited about. And right. so it's kind of like, you know, they were focusing on the product instead of the actual thing. Yeah. And they were also <clears throat> ranking them. Um, they were, you know. Yeah, if you could. I have the gift of tongues, so I'm much more spiritual. Than you. Than, than <laughs> you, who have, you know, the gift of, you know, administration. Or <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and, so he gets to chapter 13, and he focuses on love. Yeah. But then it doesn't stop there. A chapter fourteen then is like, okay, so how should how should you act together when you come together? How are you going to act right. with this mindset that love's more important than the gifts? Because in fourteen he's saying everything's chaotic in the way you're doing it now. But if you put inject love into it, it changes how you act. And then we get chapter fifteen which is the secret sauce to a lot of this topic we're going to be talking about. And that is the resurrected body and the resurrection and what that's going to be like. So bear in mind that even when we're in chapter 13, Paul has that as the ultimate point of his conversation. He's going to get to the point where he's talking about resurrected bodies. So with with that in mind, let's look at verses 8 through 13. Of First Corinthians 13. Okay. All right. It says this. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned <laughs> like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will uh, know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So a lot of times if you're reading this in a wedding, you're just going to kind of skip over that part. Uh, (laughs) because you're talking about love, but whenever you get to this, what is this weird stuff? Like, oh, whoa, all of a sudden we're talking about when that which is perfect is come, that which is partial set aside. And then we want to, for some reason, pull this one verse out about, I was a child and talked as a child and, and think that Paul's somehow teaching (laughs) us to be mature people. That's no, stop that pastors. Has nothing if you to do if you're teaching maturity. about how people need to grow up, don't use this verse. This verse has nothing to do with growing up, right? And being mature. and there are plenty of other verses you can use, yes. not that one. Stop it. So, okay, so this so what he's saying is he's he's basically saying, look, everything we know right now is just partial. Like even all these right. tongues and all this stuff that you're so excited about, all that's going to go away. Whoops, I'm knocking Grogu off the table. <laughs> you're getting serious. All, <laughs> all that's going to go away, and what's going to end up happening is now clarity is going to come. Understanding is going to come. Things that you haven't ever had before is going to come. It's going to be amazing. 
So right. when that which is perfect is come. Now I've heard debates about this. Okay. Oh, he's talking. This is a popular cessationist passage, right? Oh, it is, he's, and that's he's referring. One of the ones. He's referring to the Bible because the Bible's perfect, and once yeah. the Bible comes, there's be no need for miracles anymore. No, not what <laughs> he's saying. And that, <laughs> and understand, you know, <clears throat> that is the one I grew up with. That that idea or that mm-hmm. thought. In fact, that's a that's pervasive. John MacArthur teaches that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It became it became for Southern Baptist. It became like the verse to show that tongues don't work anymore. It's the only verse <laughs> that they have and it's taken out of context. But yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what he's talking about here is a projection of what he's going to be talking about in first Corinthians 15. When right. that, which is perfect, perfect in the Greek, the word behind that can mean completion. So when that is, when everything is completed, when everything is finished, then the partial things will be set aside. That you won't need them anymore. So he's talking about the second coming uh, of of Jesus, the glorification when everything is is glorified yeah. to Him. When, whenever that happens, <clears throat> then all these things will be set aside. Now this whole thing about when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child. But whenever I grew up, I put away those childish things. What he's saying is, my understanding. I'm giving you a metaphor. So the metaphor is like whenever I was in kindergarten, I had important things in my brain, right? They were important to me. Now, yeah. as an adult, I look back to my kindergarten days. I don't go, oh man, I certainly did a great job with that finger painting. Like, I mean, I mean I'm like focused on <laughs> my kindergarten time, like because yeah. it's not important to me. I know more now. Things are clearer right. to me now than they were then. Reality has, has right. set in. And so that's what he's, he's saying. It's going to be the same thing. You, you are, are like a child right now, but one day we'll be completed an adult in our spirituality. And we'll look back at this that's time right. and it won't, it, it, it'll be like we're kids. Like we're looking back on our childhood. <clears throat> and um, right. he says, for now we only see in a mirror or uh, darkly, right? Or can't, hold, well, right. think about their time frame. They didn't have perfect mirrors back then. They had a shiny piece of metal they right. looked in. So they never really could right. see what they looked like completely. Nowadays, we have these crystal clear mirrors and we know exactly what we look like, whether that's fortunate or unfor- unfortunate. <laughs> but at the time when he was writing this, you had no clarity under what you really looked like because you, there were no perfect mirrors. And so he's saying, whenever we see him face to face, then we will know in full. Whereas right now we only know right. in part. So, part. So to me, this is like an example of one of these passages that is obscure and, and is kind of hard to understand until we look at it in the lens of the parousia or the second coming and, and what, what it's going to be like when Jesus actually, um, arrives. Right. So, um, where do we, where do we spend our eternity is kind of the big question we're looking at. Um, you know, are we supposed to spend some, uh, 
disembodied existence in a spiritual realm that we call heaven? Is that where we go uh, after this life? He says, or, um, you know, is that just something that's assumed through history and tradition versus what is actually taught in the scriptures? And I think we'll be surprised that this is not a new thing. I'm not bringing you something new. I'm bringing you something very old. In fact, it goes all the way back <clears throat> to the prophecies of the Old Testament. In the prophecies of the Old yeah. Testament, there was constant Daniel 2, Daniel 7, or talking about king, God's kingdom coming and reigning, and man's kingdoms will fall underneath it. Um, Psalms 2 and 72 predict the Messiah reigning on the earth. Psalms 96 and 98 talk of a redeemed earth and praises the Messiah in this kingdom. And the end of Isaiah and the end of Ezekiel talk of a messianic kingdom on earth that just fixes everything. It's no wonder. Right. We, we look back at the Jews of the first century and we act like they're really stupid for thinking that the Messiah was going to be some sort of warrior that was going to free them from Rome. But given the text they had to work on, that was a that was a fair assumption. <laughs> it was. That's right. Because all these prophecies are saying Messiah is going to come and he's going to fix everything. Yep. He's going to redeem it all. He's going to fix everything. Yep. He's going to reign from from David's throne like Jerusalem and he's going to put every all the world under subjection under him. Yeah. Yes. And that's yeah, that's what what So they, that Almost oh. all your Old Testament uh, prophecies that we call second coming prophecies, they didn't know the difference between the first and second coming to them. It was just the coming of the Messiah. But all those texts point to something other than disembodied souls living in the heavens. Like that's not what right. the, any Jew thought was going to be the end of the picture, the end of the story. And it's right. not what Jesus right. taught was the end of the story. And it's not what the apostles taught was the end of the story. There's right. there's more to it than us being some sort of disembodied spirit for eternity. Mm. And the, the key to all of this lands on Easter morning. The resurrection of Jesus was the most important thing that's ever happened upon the face of the earth. Because now, yeah. it is not only an event that shows us, um, that redeems us and gives us eternal life, but it's an event that shows us how it's going to happen. All we have to do is read about the stories of Jesus, what he was like, what the experience was, and we'll get an idea as to what resurrection is. Looks you know, like. You know, most of the time, whenever we hear resurrection, I mean, Christians believe in resurrection. They all believe they're going to be resurrected. Mm -hmm. But how? Like, they think of it in terms of, well, that's just a, a artistic or a poetic way of saying, I'm going to go to heaven. A metaphor. <laughs> yeah, a metaphor for... For either heaven or salvation itself, right? Yeah. So the idea of death coming to life, which is certainly true. I mean, when you're saved, you're, you know, your death comes to life. And and Paul, even in Romans, equates the resurrection with our salvation. 
um, in Romans 6, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans 5, 6, and 7. But it's so much more than that. I, I just uh, finished Mark, the chap, uh, the book of Mark with my youth, and we finished it with the resurrection. And a lot of, a lot of kids, well, even myself, when I was younger, really struggled with, I, I got why Jesus died on the cross mm-hmm. for my sins. And we, we focus so much on that mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. Easter, but we, we uh, miss out on the purpose and reason behind the main purpose and reason behind the resurrection and why we celebrate yeah. it. That so many Christians don't really get that truth and, and what it means for us. You and you know, I. I love celebrating Lent, and Lent's about to start in two days here. And uh, mm-hmm. But the thing is, we, we spend, traditionally, the church spends 40 days in, Lent, in a Lenten period leading up to the resurrection and celebrating Easter, which is great. But you know what? If we spent 40 days beforehand, as big of an event as this is, like as big and amazing this is, I'm a big fan of Eastertide, which means the next 40 days are you celebrating right. life and life abundant. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we miss out on in our in our uh, unorthodox churches mm-hmm. today. Well, even... Uh, Eastertide is... Even like you were talking about, we focus on the cross, and that's great because what happened at the cross is important. Like it's it is vastly important. But what happened at the tomb is even more so. And the reason why I can have confidence in saying that is because First Corinthians fifteen tells us flat out in that it says if Christ is not resurrected, this is all for nothing. (laughs) Yes, this is this. None of this matters if Jesus isn't resurrected. Right and. Right. So Jesus, when Jesus was resurrected, uh, what do we see? We see it was expected, but it wasn't expected. He said he would come back, but no one really thought that he would actually come out of the tomb, right? It was expected, right. but it wasn't expected. He was the same, but he was different. different. There was something about it. I don't know what it is. The Bible's not too clear about it. People didn't recognize him. There was there was uh, this strange thing he tells Mary about. Don't touch me. And I know we have an episode where Mike Mahoney had a good theory on that one. But for more for right. more, go into our catalog and find that one. Um, <laughs> but there's a strangeness that just happens with him. He's able to walk in and out of rooms that are locked. So there's something yeah. different. He's this, and yet he still has the scars. Mm-hmm. Right? He's still Jesus from the cross, and they and they yeah. recognize him usually after <laughs> some sort of of turn yeah. of events. So he's the same, but he's and he he's still different. Eats. Yeah, and so he is a model, and um, and the means by which creation will be redeemed. Yeah. So and and Paul tells us this flat out in in places that he is he was the first fruits, and we will be like him. Like that's that's yeah. taught. We're going to have a resurrected body that'll be physical the same way Jesus had a physical resurrected body. Um, body. Yeah. The pattern that Jesus set before us was there was death, and then there was a short interval. In his case, three days, and then there was resurrection—a bodily resurrection, a recreation of what he already was, but more. And so if we look at him as a model for what we're going to be, it should give us 
like an exciting hope. Um, so therefore, resurrection has been inaugurated, but it hasn't been it hasn't been consummated yet, because it's been inaugurated through Jesus. He's the only one who's experienced it so far, but all the rest of us are gonna follow. In right. which in which we will all uh, be redeemed. So we've been talking about First Corinthians fifteen. Man, it's it's a it's a pretty long chapter. There's and the whole thing is is valid on this point, but uh, right. because of time, let's let's just look at First Corinthians fifteen, verse twenty to twenty six. Okay. Oh man, yeah, you're skipping over so. Much. I know, I know. <laughs> homework, homework assignment. Go back and read the fo- the previous verses because there's a lot more here. But li- but right. let's look at twenty whole- twenty through twenty six. All right, here we go. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection from the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each according to its own order. Christ, the first fruits, afterwards at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to abolish is death. Okay, so huge passage, and what a what a grand slam, like, <laughs> at the end. Like, like he's, he's, yeah. he's talking about, first off, it's not insignificant that he compares Christ to Adam. And we'll get to that in a little bit because Adam was in Eden and walked with God and everything was perfect, right? Everything was good. God declared it all good. This is a pattern. This was something that existed then and we're going to see this exist again. This is the, this is what the resurrection is going to going to pattern after and there's all kinds of things that that lead up to that but so he's he's right. using adam as a comparison and contrast to jesus and then he says that there's an order to this christ happens first he's the first fruit then when he comes again those who belong to him will be transformed in the same way um right and then he's going to hand over the kingdom to god and he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be eliminated is death. So that's very important yeah. Yeah. to understand that walking out of the tomb was victory over death. That yeah. without that, our faith is useless. <laughs> that that's that's the the key. So. Sure. Directly, at, it, going straight to the question, are we going to heaven? There are no direct passages in the in the Bible that say that you will go to heaven or that you've gone to heaven or there's any implication, really, that we end up in heaven. Now, right. there are plenty of leaps of logic that we can make Uh and interpret things in a certain way from a few passages that talk about the kingdom of heaven and what it's like. Um, 
we have the teachings of, of dualism, which is comes from Plato and the Greeks, which the, the teachings of dualism is everything physical and bodily that that is here is terrible, but everything that is spiritual is good. And because that thought was so pervasive in uh, the, the, the Greek world that led into the Roman world, all their religions were focused on this type of thing. The Gnostics became a huge uh, uh, heresy in the early church because of this. There's a lot of this thinking about everything here is terrible Everything in heaven is great. So that's why we leave here. That's why we're going there. Even though the Bible doesn't come out and say, you're going there. It says that you are citizens of heaven, but that's a different implication. And we'll get to that in in just a minute. So one of the questions, we just read a passage that said the, the greatest enemy that Jesus defeats is death. Stop and think about it for a minute. If we're escaping here and leaving the world here to be what it is and going to heaven, was death defeated? I don't, that doesn't sound like the defeat of death. Abolishing it, like stopping it from happening, that is victory over death. But We've we've grown up with this with this thinking that we will escape here. Everything is terrible here, but one day we'll escape. And we got tons of, of hymns that <laughs> that say that, right? Of you know everything in that sweet by and by, like one I'll fly away. When we all get to heaven. I'll fly away. Yeah. Like all these 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 songs are talking about how terrible everything here is, but it's okay because I'm going to escape this place one day. I'm just a pilgrim here. We use we use that type of, of, of lingo. Um, but I want to talk about Jesus's coming here, and 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 what that means. Uh, so, um, let can we go back to yes, just for. So, are you advocating for soul sleep? I will get to that in about, I don't know, four or five slides. <laughs> okay. So, because I, I don't, I, I follow with you, I agree with you about um, the, the, the horrible platonic philosophy that says that physical bad, spiritual good. Right, right. Which invaded and permeated the Gnosticism. It ended up being Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. Manichaeism um, invaded, kind of even um, invaded invaded with, um, um, what's his name? Uh, Wrote the Confessions, Augustine. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? A little bit, this idea. Um, But I don't know if I can advocate for soul sleep. We'll get we'll get there in a minute. Let's have this conversation in a few minutes. Okay. All right. I don't want to. Yeah. So okay. I'm sorry. I don't want to throw you because off, because what I want to establish is the importance of our eternal destination. That's that's yes, what that's, that's what I'm, I'm I'm focusing on. So Philippians okay. three, 
verse 18 through 21. Let's look at this because this is a passage that is often used to say we're going to heaven. Right. But that's not what it says exactly. So I want to I want to I want to okay. cover some of these. So Philippians 3 verse 18 to 21. <clears throat> All right. So it says, "For I've often told you and now say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their god is their stomach, and their glory in their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things." But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Okay, so what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven? Well, heaven, going all the way back into the Old Testament, is the residence of God. And and yeah. so everything comes the dwelling place. Everything comes from there. Not saying heaven doesn't exist. God is there. We're just right. not given the promise of going there. And so being citizens, now let's think about the Philippians for a minute. Philippi was part of the Roman Empire. There were many Roman citizens living in Philippi. Now, if you're a Roman citizen, if you're a citizen of Rome, did you somehow think that, well, someday we're going to pilgrimage over to Rome? We're going to go to Rome? (laughs) No, most of them never had any intention of ever going to Rome. They were just Roman citizens. And likewise, the Romans didn't want everybody coming to Rome. (laughs) They wanted to spread out. They wanted to take their philosophy, their way of life, and filtrate that as far as they could. So, as in in Philippi, you knew that as a Roman citizen, you had all the rights and all the privileges endowed to the Romans, but you were living it in your locale. In Philippi. Mm -hmm. So it says here that there's a lot of these people that are enemies of the cross and they're only focused on worldly things like how good they can be here or whatever. And he's saying, but our citizenship is in heaven. We think on a larger scale. We have a bigger picture in mind because Jesus is what? Coming to take us back to heaven? No, Jesus will transform these humble bodies into the likeness of his glorious body by the means of that power, which he's able to subject all things to himself. So the yeah, hope in this definitely. passage is not that we're going to go to heaven. It's that God is that no. Jesus will transform us. Yeah. That he's coming back, yes. which is the, yeah, we eagerly wait for a savior from there. And when he comes back, he will transform our humble condition. It's the exact same thing as the first Corinthians 15, mm-hmm. You know, when Christ comes, we will be transformed into his likeness. Yes. And forever. that, that yeah. word comes that's used in that passage and in many others. Uh, Paul uses it in the Thessalonian letters a lot. Uh, it talks about his coming. That word is parousia. parousia and and yeah. it means being near or advent. Um, it's mostly mm-hmm. re- used for the return of Christ. 
physically uh, as a coming presence. It's also used by pagans. Pagans use the same word, parousia, to mean a God appeared in their midst, or the Romans actually used it because they would equate their leadership to gods. They wanted to be worshipped like gods. So the word parousia would be used whenever Romans came to a town to visit. Yeah. When, whenever like Ro- an, an uh, emperor. Yeah, or... Um, Yes, or a governor even. Like if someone was coming into mm-hmm. the town, then you would... The, the, here's the, the tradition in the Roman Empire. The parousia would happen. Somebody in the Roman Empire would be coming into town. Let's say it's Philippi. And the people in the town knew they better not be sitting on their tail ends whenever the governor gets here. What do they do? They go out of the town and they welcome right. him. It's right. kind of like the same thing that happened to Jesus when he came into Jerusalem, right? The on Palm Sunday, they welcome him. The kings here, they 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 sing and they dance and they they rejoice that the king's here and they they come back into the city with him and that's Perusia. So yep. let's look at an example and I, and so I, I probably will ruffle some feathers on this one, but. Let, Let's look at an example in awesome. in First Thessalonians chapter four, okay, verse fourteen through For we, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with archangels' voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Okay. So this is the traditional rapture passage. (laughs) This is the only place where actually the word rapture uh, comes from the word caught up. That's being, which is, um, uh, what, what is that? That word I always forget. Ah, my mind's gone blank. Someone will, someone will, will let us know. <laughs> anyway, so uh, it's it's. Tr- Are you looking for the Greek? Yeah, word? but it's it's translated in Latin as raptura. And, right, it's a And that's word. that's where the word rapture in our English comes from. And so, right. Technically, I believe in a rapture because it's spelled out here. I just don't believe in a rapture in the same way that dispensationalists will teach it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not a pre-millennial. Uh, it's not a pre. Um, um, what is it? Uh, oh, pre-trib. The tribute. It's not a pre-trib. Right. Verse at all. Yeah, and I don't even nowhere nowhere does. It I don't want to even that. get into my opinion about the tribulation and all that. But <laughs> let's. 
I think it'd be. It, it, we, we'll do it sometimes. It's just free. So here, so yeah. here, what I think is happening is uh, not what is traditionally taught by dispensationalists about this pre-trib rapture thing. So first off, right. he says God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep, meaning those who are dead. Uh, so let's keep that in the back of our mind. And then it says, uh, in a few verses later, he says, and the, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. So the Thessalonians, being Roman citizens and being used to this word parousia, which is used all throughout this passage, by the way, they knew what that meant. You go out, you meet the king, you bring him back in. What's happening here is not us being swept off the earth never to return. Like this is us miraculously going up in the clouds and coming down with Jesus. Like this is ushering uh, in the ushering in the king. That this is all it is. We're right. not leaving permanently. This is not us being no. pulled up into the sky somewhere. This is us going out to meet our king and dancing and partying with him on the way down. Like this, It's the exact same uh, picture. The people in Thessalonica, when they heard this, would not have thought what um, Darby, what Darby taught, Darby taught. <laughs> about rapture. Yeah. This is, they would have thought the same thing they knew would happen when a, a king came into their city. We would go out to meet him and right. we would come back and we would always be with him. And it says, yeah. therefore, comfort and encourage one another with these words. And, and a little side note, just to mention, I, I talked about how earlier it says God will bring those that are dead with him. Well, that makes sense when he continues. He says, for the Lord uh, will descend with a shout. And um, where is it? Uh, All the dead in Christ will rise. Right. And then we will all be caught up together and then come down together. Yeah. So when he comes... Guess who's coming? The dead from here. Like everybody is right. is coming. So it's an all inclusive type of thing. So So it's not you're not advocating for soul sleep then. Good segue, because my next question is so where do you go when you die? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh here's I'm interested so in this. So here's my t- this is this is gonna, gonna be you're gonna you're gonna be to- you're gonna be pretty disappointed because it's because honestly I'm going to lean on this. The Bible's vague okay. about it. I'll just be honest. I, the Bible. Okay, I don't think. Oh, hang so. on, let me continue. So the Bible is the Bible's <laughs> very right. vague on it because you do have passages that say things like, for example, Jesus with the thief on the cross. Today, you yeah. will be with me in paradise. But yeah. there's questions. He didn't come out of the grave yet. He wasn't resurrected yet. What is paradise? Is paradise a peaceful place in the grave in Hades or is it heaven or we don't know it's a very mysterious thing Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord 2nd Corinthians 5 verse 8 but same author refers to those who have passed away as asleep in 1st Corinthians 15 20 1st Thessalonians 4 and 13 and many other passages the Right, but we can understand the, his inference of sleep there based off of 
our earthly understanding that death is temporary in its physical state. So I don't, I don't think he's really saying that they're just laying down in the grave asleep. I don't think that that, that's what he's saying at all. And not only that, I have another one for you. Hang on a second, because we also we just we just read a passage about dead rising and coming out of the grave. So that's yeah the. Physical, whenever they, they come back, when, when they come back with Jesus, he raises their bodies, creates something new. And that's what he talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, the first half of 1 Corinthians 15, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When, he, when he's talking about the, our, us being our, our spiritual, meaning our physical, and creating into something new. And I, I truly believe that. I'll give you a couple more, and this is just for okay. me. Revelations. What about the uh, what about the martyred uh, people in Revelation who cry out, "How long, O Lord?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. They're they're with Jesus in the throne room, crying out, "How long?" And then they're given robes and told to wait a while. Mm-hmm. How about this one? The uh, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay. He brings back with him Elijah. And who is it? Moses. Uh, Mo- is it mm-hmm. Moses? Yeah. I, I mean, where were they? Yeah. But their physical bodies are still not resurrected. Yeah. So, but there's something about them that's there. That's true. And and that's what I'm saying. It's a mystery <laughs> because right. the, it's not yeah. clearly taught. In fact, there's not a lot of hope given upon the instant of death, except for in the cases when Paul is saying, I'd rather just leave here. I'd rather be dead and be with Christ. Right. So, and, and yeah. you do have this weird parable that yeah. Jesus also gives in Luke, um, was it uh, 15? Where, where I think so. It's the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. And, and yeah. you have this weird thing about this Hades type of environment he's talking about where the gulf is fixed between and you've got... Lazarus and Abraham's bosom, and you've got he's in you've got the rich man being yeah. tortured. I'm I'm not sure that's not concrete in my opinion at all because I do think what Jesus was doing was talking in their language of what they thought death was going to be like, so that he could that. make a point. Because here here it is: if right. he was truly teaching them about what the afterlife was going to be like. They would have been so enamored with that teaching, they wouldn't have heard what he was trying to teach them, which is you should be kind to people like Lazarus. You need to love people yeah. while you can, because after death, it's too late. Like That was his whole point. And so I think he was using imagery they already believed in, but that's just my opinion. I, but, but, okay, here's the bottom line on my whole thing on this. Whatever okay. it is, whether you're with him in some uh, disembodied state or whether you are in the ground asleep, whatever it is, it's temporary. Yes, it's, it, I 100% it's, agree it's, with you. It's temporary. It's, it, we're not going to spend eternity there. Like, wherever that is. It's not where our, right, it's not where our hope lies. Exactly. And that's the biggest thing that we need to remind people. It's not, our hope lies in Christ returning and a new heaven and a new earth. Um, and we need to, this is the big issue I have with this stuff. And I don't want to uh, keep going, but um, I know you have more to get to, right? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm getting there. I, I'm, <laughs> I told you I had a lot of content, but 
Um, and, and this, right. and, you know, this is the type of thing that I hope everyone out there is not just taking my word for it here. I mean, you're just use this as a kickoff to study and you may totally disagree. Write us, let us know, call 100%. in. I want to yes. know. So, yes. uh, so I'll save my remarks for later because I have some stuff to say about this. So keep okay. going. So I want to go back to Jesus being resurrected is us resurrected. So anytime yes. we have any question about how it's going to work, we ju- we need to be focusing on that. Like look at the resurrection, right. see how that functioned. Um, there is a passage in Second Corinthians 5 that I want to look at because it's one of them that you could read and you could go, well, it's saying that we're going to have a new home. We're going to be in heaven, but uh, I want I want to look at it closely and see is that really what it's saying? And that's Second uh, Corinthians five right. verse one through nine. Sure. For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. It's a mansion. <laughs> okay, sorry. Indeed, we groan in this tent, desiring to put our heavenly dwelling, um, de- desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling. Since when we have taken it off, we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. I love mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. complete reverse of. Yeah, that's great. Okay, now the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. (laughs) So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident we would prefer to be away from the body and be home with the Lord. Therefore... Whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to uh, to be pleasing him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Yeah. Where do that's, I go that's to? That's plenty. So, so okay. the, the, the point I want to make here is that this passage, if, if just read at a quick glance, could actually lead us into that mindset that, oh, we're not going to stay here. We're going to go... We're gonna we're gonna go somewhere else. We're gonna go to heaven. A heaven. It says we have a building from God. It says a house not made of hands, eternal in the heavens. What, what are you talking about, David? <laughs> <laughs> what you talking okay, about? Okay, so I, I want us to pay close attention though to what Paul is really saying. He says we know that if that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in heaven. So what is this tent that we're living in? Is it earth? Or is it our bodies? It's It's our our physical bodies that he's talking about. And it says, for in this tent we groan, longing to what? Put on our heavenly dwelling. Now, wait a minute. When you go to a place, do you put it on? (laughs) No. You don't put on a place. You put on like clothing. This is this is a house we're gonna wear. Like the the metaphor that's that he is saying here is not that we're gonna go someplace. It is that we're gonna wear something new. So he says here. He says uh, 
in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. So now we can tell it's definitely talking about clothing and about, it's not talking about physical dwellings. It's it's not where, right. it's it's us. It's about us. And, and so it right. says, for while we were in this tent, our body, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed and lose what we have, but that we would be further clothed. So, this shabby body that we have right now is going to be perfected. The fat's going to melt away. The muscles are going to pop. Amen. I don't know. Just, <laughs> whatever. Whatever we're going to be is going to be <laughs> glorious. And it's, and it's right. eternal. And right now, it's in heaven. Yeah. Now, does that mean that's where we're going to go? Well, if I told you, Jeremiah, I got a new suit for you, man. You're going to love it. It's going to last you your entire life. It's hanging in my closet right now. Does that mean you're going to go get in my closet? No. It, <laughs> it means I'm going to bring it to you. I'm going to bring it to you. I might go get in your closet <laughs> to go get it, though. <laughs> I'm going to bring it to you. You're going to put it on. So it. So yeah. this is it's not talking about where we're going to be. It's talking about what we're going to be. What we're going to be. Yeah, yeah. so he says, uh, be sure. clothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up. By what by life, uh, like you said, I love that 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 picture that what we have now is just a seed. It's just a a kernel of what we will be. We'll be ourselves. We'll be who right. we are, but we'll be more. We'll be clothed further yeah. with life, and this is a guarantee from God. And as long as we're in this body, we're not with God. That's what this last part of it yeah. is saying. But what, as long as we're in this body. We're not actually physically with him. Can't be with him. Um, but when we're clothed. When we become perfected. When, when that which is perfect is come, that which is done in part will be done away. Will be. <laughs> so so we will actually be with him and be like him. And so we'll be at home in our new bodies. Yeah. And, yeah. and I love, uh, I mean, this. This chapter fits right along with the earlier chapter where he's talking about the struggles, the pain, the affliction that we're going through right now, carrying the the gospel in jars of clay. He mm. describes our bodies as jars of clay, right? Yeah. That that are easily breakable. And then when he says the the outer person is being destroyed, the inner person is being perfected. Mm. Yes, right? yes. So it's working in us an eternal weight of glory. Uh, yes, I love that and that leads in that leads right into uh, a thought I want to get to in just a second too. But um, yeah. I, I, I there's so much rich content about this. I wish I had time to go through it all. First Corinthians 15. We talked about it. There <laughs> there are there's so much in there about our new body. Uh, I talked about it being yeah. a, a, a kernel. First uh, Corinthians fifteen thirty seven, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps a wheat kernel. or some other grain. God gives it a body that. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 there's all these passages about growing and and uh, being something better whenever uh, we are are putting on this new home that He talks about. Um, 
1 Corinthians uh, 15 obviously ends with that famous passage, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Like This is so good. This is where our hope lies, not in some heavenly cloud where we're going to be hanging out. It's going to be in the fulfillment of our bodies. And finally, I want to get to, well, what about where we're going to be? Like, okay, so I agree. I'm going to be something new. I'm going to be resurrected into something, a new creation. But if I'm not going to heaven, am I going to be here? Like forever? How terrible. (laughs) Well, no, it's not terrible. Because if we go all the way back to the very beginning, what was the creation like when God created it? Perfect. (laughs) And it was physical Mm -hmm. and spiritual. Mm -hmm. It was a perfect it was a perfect union of God and man in the garden without blemish. And it was a I mean, God walked with us in the cool of the evening. It was there was no sin, there was no pain. On earth. On earth. (laughs) It was heaven on earth. That is what it was how he created. That's what he wants. He doesn't want all of us right. to come up there where, where he's at. He wants to bring what he has down here because so this is good. This place is good. Yeah. It just we It's corrupted because of the fall. But that's why all the prophecies say the Messiah is going to come fix it all. The lion will lie with the fix lamb it. or the wolf technically will lie with the lamb. And you've got all these these other prophecies. A baby's going to stick his hand in the in the, yeah, in, the in the snake den. Like things yeah. were, are going to be perfected. So uh, let's look at Romans 8 because... Mm. Romans 8, again, one of the best chapters of the Bible. I guess that's an opinion. But <laughs> but it, the, uh, it's, a good, so, it's, it's a correct so opinion. So full of hope. <laughs> at, at, or sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 18 to 23. Romans chapter 8, 18 through 23. Yeah. Okay. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves, who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. <laughs> redemption all across the board, like of our bodies, but mm-hmm. also of the earth itself. It, creation groans right. in anticipation for this. Right. Uh, so I want to look at a couple of words in here. So the creation waits with eager longing. That word in the Greek is apokaridokia. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Greek words. Apokaridokia. Apicar- <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it it actually means a little bit more than just oh I'm eagerly awaiting. <laughs> it's a picture of outstretched arms, standing on tiptoe, lifting your chin, trying to get as high as you possibly can, reaching for something that's just out of reach. But I'm gonna get it before like it's just complete desire for this right and whenever i read that and i think about it i think about hearing wolves cry at night or coyotes howling in the evening or whatever it's like creation groaning for him and looking for him okay were you about to say something well, I was just, uh, I, I always think of when I hear that, I always think of um, the marriage um, picture mm. that that uh, Paul uses mm-hmm. and the brides eagerly anticipating the the husband, the bridegroom, right? Yes. And that the night before that, I, you know, we, we both been married, right? Mm-hmm. For, for many years, we can think back to the night before our wedding, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the eager anticipation, the groaning of waiting for that, that union to happen, <laughs> right? And that's the picture I get whenever I think of our, our, groaning our desire for the new heavens and new earth when when jesus comes yes. back uh, and the second and coming. the whole creation um uh, it says that they're waiting with this anticipation for what the revealing of the sons of god that's us mm. that's what that the sons of yeah. god here means us so they're waiting the creation is waiting on us to be fully revealed. That word revealed right. in the Greek is apocalyptus or apocalypsis, which is the name of the last book of the Bible. The apocalypse. Yes. <laughs> we always, we've, we've taken in our, our culture and taken this word apocalypse to mean a horrible thing, <laughs> but actually it, it truly means the revealing. Yes, it, it right? is the, the revelation. revelation. It is the it, it's the exposing of taking off all the bad and looking at what's good and and so why are they looking for our revelation? Why is creation? Why are all the creatures of the earth looking for our revealing? Because they got subjected to futility because of us, not of their own, because not of, of their own accord, but because of the person who subjected <laughs> them. And it says right. they're in a hope that creation will be set free from its bondage too to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of us, the children of God. So, Amen. what was it Adam was charged to do? When he was in the it, when he was in the garden, to care for it, to dominate it, tend to to, it. to rule, to to give it a loving right. father type of like. So we are the representatives to the creation of God. We are His imagers. We are we are right. made in His image to do on a small scale what He did for us. Like it's it's an extension right. of that. And you know, one of the things that I learned whenever I was training my dog is that 
Dogs naturally want leadership. They want to be led. They want you to tell them what to do. They don't want to make the decisions. They want you to make the decisions. And that's why bad behavior happens is because you're not making the decisions. (laughs) And once they're confident that you are making the decisions, then they'll be very obedient. And so you can see that fits in perfectly with this. They want us back. Bring back the guy who was in the garden. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I absolutely love that. Um, The last thing I have is a, um, it's just a little blurb that came from N.T. Wright that I just loved. It was a little um, uh, anecdote that he, uh, that he, he threw, he threw together. But, um, okay. It, 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 it's to kind of summarize why why are we care, why do we care about this? Like why does it matter? Is it going to change our behavior much? Uh, maybe not a whole lot. But I think if you if you're thinking that the world is a terrible place and one day the Lord's going to come take me away from it, I think that's an, an unhealthy way to be. Mainly because one hundred percent it discourages us yeah. here and it devalues God's creation and it makes us. Uh, not do our jobs. <laughs> to be honest, we were we're called to be messengers. We're called to be the the ones who who teach uh, everyone here about him. Like, yeah. which is another reason why I think that the pre-trib rapture thing is crazy. Because okay, the world's in the worst state it's ever been <laughs> in, and all of a sudden, all the good people are leaving. All the people with the message, all the people that God has given charge to teach, they're the ones that are going to leave. <laughs> Just bust out of here God. so they don't have to yeah. hurt. But the thing yeah. is, we play a part, in, and this is by design. This right. is not God you know, uh, needing us. This is not you know, a, 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 a kick against his sovereignty. It's not, he wants us involved. He's always wanted us involved. Mm. We groan with the earth in hopes of his advent and not to be pulled. We don't hope to be pulled out before some future trouble happens um, because our work is to be a messenger of hope for a suffering world. We are the messengers. We are the heralds of a coming king. And so we are helping to build God's kingdom here. What did Jesus pray and teach us to pray? Thy kingdom come. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Will be done. Where? On, on earth, earth as it is as in it heaven. is in heaven. The That's right. part of Jesus' own prayer he taught us to, te- to to pray is about this. I ultimately believe it yeah. is about this. We want his kingdom to come yeah. and on earth as it is in heaven. Um the bride, I mean, the, 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 the end of <clears throat> Revelation, the bride says, or, I mean, says, come, yeah, the right? the spirit and the bride And that's come. what we're... <laughs> Please. Come. Yes. Come, Lord Jesus. So, yeah. um, you know, in in um, 1 Corinthians 3, a uh, few verses there, it says, now, now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So, as Christians, we're doing things. We're doing things that we've been asked to do, that God's leading us to do. Right. And some of those things are going to yield 
solid stones in the kingdom to come. Some of them will get burned away whenever he arrives. But the thing is, what we're doing is building something that he's yeah. going to complete. And the right. the anecdote that, that N.T. Wright gave us about this was, let's say that you're in, in feudal England or, you know, whatever, and, and you've been given a job to build bricks. And it's it's terrible work. You're in the mud all the time and in the hot bakery, I mean, like firing off the bricks and and getting them. And it's just like boring and you're chipping away stone and you're putting these in. It's just tiring work day after day after day after day. And you think, why am I doing this? Why am I going through all of this? The the, the boss doesn't care about me. <laughs> like you had this, this mundane type of existence. But one day, yeah. the foreman takes you and says, come here, I want to show you something. And you step out into this field and you see this beautiful cathedral before you. And all of a sudden you realize, I made that brick. I made that brick. (laughs) You see, yeah, you didn't build the cathedral, but you had a part in it. And I think that this is what God wants from us because he gave Adam a job, right? He's given us a job. Right. And the fruits of that will be revealed when that which is perfect has come and that which is done in part will be done away. And we will see as, uh, and we will know as we are known. Um, The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Genesis yeah. 2, verse 15. That's, That's what we're my study. <laughs> That's good. I have. I, I want to just put a little tack on at the end okay. here because this is so important. Um, I was saying before, I, why, is, why is this important? I think it's actually absolutely, for pastors especially, extremely important to understand that our eternal destiny is not a pie in the sky heaven that physical is bad <laughs> and spiritual is good because that was the first and greatest heresy <laughs> in the in the in the church right. um in fact it's it's the reason that the nicene creed was written in a lot of ways. They were trying to identify the nature of Jesus based off of, well, he couldn't have been physical. Right, right. He, you know, because physical is bad and spiritual is good. Um, in my uh, Systematic Theology one class, our professor spent an entire class showing how this pervasive wrong thought of spirit good... Mm physical bad had had messed up the the understanding the eschatological understanding of the church and had messed up the soteriology Mm -hmm. of the church to some extent because we don't realize that what what christ rose for was to allow us to rise so our physical was meant to be good originally. Mm-hmm. God made everything perfect. We screwed it up <laughs> through sin, 
and God enacted his plan for redemption, which will bring everything physical back to perfection under him in a new heaven and a new earth, which will be our eternal home. It's not a pie in the sky place. <laughs> it's your body, the one you're living in right now. I just told my kids this is so important. They need to understand your body, the one you're living in right now, is going to be your body for eternity. <laughs> it's just going to be perfected mm. for eternity. Mm. And that should give you hope because of the resurrection of Christ. So that's what we need to be teaching our our um, our our churches. The correct understanding of the resurrection and correct understanding of of our eternal destination mm-hmm. is so emphatically important. So I'm glad you brought it up because it's a big. Well, deal. I think that one of the things that is so important about this is um, just to focus on the resurrection more. Like I, I think that we don't mm-hmm. give it, we don't give enough time to Easter. No. I mean, Easter tide's a good thing. Right. I uh, that's I'm serious about that. I think that you need to spend some time celebrating a little bit more than a day. Like, like you don't yeah. spend forty days weeping I, I, and then I, one day celebrating. No, you spend the next forty days celebrating too. <laughs> I agree. I think I think Christmas tide and Easter tide are missed out mm-hmm. on in our non-Orthodox churches <laughs> because we don't understand what the parousia is or what the, the coming is or the advent yeah. and yeah. the second mm-hmm. advent, which are like the key pillars of Christianity. Right. <laughs> that Christ came and that Christ is coming again, yeah. right? <laughs> and so, you so know, important. one verse that I know we didn't cover and everyone who's listening is probably thinking, why didn't you read that? Revelation 21, verse 1 through 5. Uh, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven That's and right. the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Passed away. And I saw a holy city in the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Is with us. <laughs> he yep. will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things that passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You know, I love that part the because Paul's already writing it down. <laughs> He's already got the pen out. You mean oh, sorry, John. John. John's yeah. already got the pen out. He's, al- he's already right. writing it down. And God says, oh, by the way, write this down. Write it down. <laughs> this is a little important. That's great, man. Yeah. <laughs> so anytime awesome. God tells you to write something down and you're already writing it down, <laughs> asterisk underscore Double highlight e. that that yeah. means god means this in a serious way <laughs> that's right man that's good study oh. david i was gonna do uh news and stuff but I, we are at an hour and 20 minutes so i don't think i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> well, save it well, one next of these week. days we'll, just just because one of these of days we'll get some news in uh, unless you got a, a lot unless of news you, unless you got a good too. one that you just want to throw out there 
Yeah, I got one for you okay. real fast. Pastor dies attempting 40-day fast <laughs> oh, like Jesus. No. <laughs> uh, listen to this. 39-year-old Mazenbabakin. That's it, yeah. Pastor reportedly died trying to fast 40 days in emulation of Jesus after going without food and water for 25 days. Oh, man. Don't do that. (laughs) If you're going to give something up for lit, go ahead and give something up for lit. But don't try to fast for 40 days and 40 nights Mm. without water. Please. (laughs) That's so crazy. Maybe next time. He, He said... Yeah, acute anemia and digestive organ failure. <laughs> well, he's at home with the Lord. That's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> he got his mansion up in heaven. <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> All, right. All right. Rick. Dude, you ready to get yeah, out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Okay. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network. Using new media and social networking to go in all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us an email to info at theonotspodcast.com or call us on our voicemail line 972-885-7270. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Theonauts. And if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two on patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. And don't forget to tune in again to explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission. GCTnetwork.com. This is your great commission transmission. This is your great commission transmission.